0: Boy, this is the wrong day for a Spain and Fitz power hour, but we got one hour to get it all in. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with the ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. That's what she said already? How did I do that phrasing? We're presented by <laughs> Progressive Insurance. Guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We've got rookie sensation Tyrese Halliburton from the Kings coming up a little bit later. we got NBA tonight to talk to. we got NBA last night. And, of course, we're going to do some quickies to get to everything else. Spain and Fitz brought to you by My Computer Career Training for a Better Life. And before we can get to any of that, Fitz, we have to address that it has happened again.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know exactly where you're going on Spank this. Like, Spank Spank
0: if you spot Fitz cheating on me right now, go ahead and slide into my DMs. Let me know.
1: Do you think I don't know where you've been? Don't lie to me!
0: He's always cheating on me with slots. This is a habit uh, he makes of just willy-nilly spreading himself around the radio lineup. I can't believe it.
2: You didn't just cheat on me. You really cheated on me. <laughs>
0: I don't think he will because he keeps doing it.
1: Uh, who was it this time? You know what? I, I like to think of it as I did a two-hour advertisement for Spain and Fitz earlier in the day today. So I was in for Max on the Max Kellerman Show. I'll be back again tomorrow. And
0: uh, Listen, let me yeah. tell you how foreplay works. It's with the same person. It's not no. you don't do it with someone uh, else and then... Boy, yeah. I've been
1: doing that wrong for a lot of years. That <laughs> Sorry, is a, Sonny. A, so,
0: well, that's Sorry. an awkward
1: moment there. Oh, yeah. Uh, All uh, right,
0: moving on. Fitz cheated on me again. Shocker. Let's see if he's got the stamina to make it through tonight's game. Why is things so not. sexy so early? <laughs> and where is my mind tonight? Uh, I I apologize. Uh, let's get to last night. Uh, We're two
1: minutes into the segment, so I get to take a yeah. nap now. Yeah, so you're so done? I, okay. You'll
0: okay. <laughs> oh. Yoinks. Yoinks. Um, OK, so you know how I keep finding new ways to describe what the Clippers are doing to me? I've settled on gaslighting now. So gaslighting is where you literally manipulate someone into testing and questioning their own sanity. And that's where I'm at. I'm like, oh, this is who they can be when their stars show up, when they play consistent and focused and smart basketball, when they use proper and intelligent play calling when they approach the other team with a smart game plan, like playing a lot of small ball, which forces Gobert to step outside the lane and allows them to be more effective in the paint. It also forces him to decide whether he's going to really try to cover Marcus Morris on the three, which made him far more effective at the perimeter. There were so many things in this game that I thought, yes, this is why I was riding for the Clippers for so long. But Fitz, it's just as easy for me to imagine them crashing again, especially when the the series goes back to Utah.
1: Well, and that's why I think the only fair, real take on this is, Mike could. Like, uh, could the Clippers Mike win or could? Sure. One yeah, of your favorite my, Southern uh, statements. My, my, <laughs> I mean, Mike could. I, I, <laughs> at, at this point, there is literally no reason. They're, they They have given us absolutely zero reason to believe that they will do this game in and game out because they never do a game in and game out. So the question becomes, with their backup against the wall, uh, how many times can they press the turbo button? Because that's what it feels like they did in the first round, uh, obviously down to the Mavs, and then they take it to the wire and they win in game seven. Now they find themselves down 0-2 in a series, and what do you know, they scratch and claw their way back. And yeah, I mean, absolutely, if we get this version of Kawhi and Paul George, they're going to be really hard to beat. But how many times have we actually gotten this version of Kawhi and Paul George? So I look at every single game that I watch at the Clippers now and I shrug my shoulders and say, cool, I'm going to crumple it up at the end and I'm <laughs> going to throw everything I just saw away because it means nothing the next time they're on the court.
0: I have turned into our buddy Stu Like, <laughs> let me know when you get a ring. I can't say do it in the playoffs because they're doing it in the playoffs. Well, at least half the time so far. Um, but here's an interesting thing I saw. It. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. The series is super even, and so much is predicated on who's, like, hot, right? So of the very best shooting performances by any team throughout this playoffs, according to Second Spectrum, Utah had one of the best, Game 2 of this series, Clippers, Game 3 of this series. So it was actually the Jazz against the Clippers – in their series, one of those games was the best shooting performance according to Second Spectrum, then Utah, then the Clips. So they've traded off games where they've gotten really hot. So you can, it's not that you can discard that, but you can say, okay, is that replicable, right? And if you don't think so, then you can try to take those two games out and then take a look at what happened in the other ones. And what happened in game four that was so meaningful to me was not just the small ball push and go bear out of the paint, but also they made Utah play a lot of one on one. They slowed down their ball movement, which is the key to their shooting. And if they can do that and they can dictate the style of play, the Clippers are in a very good position. Now we get to see what happens when the Jazz come back swinging and take an approach that says you're not allowed to tell us how we play or maybe now have a better game plan for when they try to pull Gobert out of the paint.
1: Well, and that's because everything does come back to adjustments, right? And we've seen that adjustment, made that you mentioned. It is interesting to me that the plus-minus in the paint through four games in the series – is virtually the same through Mm -hmm. one and two versus three and four. Like There wasn't a dramatic difference, but you're right. It all looked easier, specifically. Like They were able to run their offense much better in the last couple of games. So now in the world of the chess match of playoff basketball, how does Utah sort of adapt? And that's something that we thought Dallas would be able to figure out at some point in the last series. And just didn't, I don't know, you know, to some level, one thing we have seen so far, at least in these playoffs, is that it takes the Clippers a minute to figure out how they want to beat you. And once they've figured that out, nobody so far has out-adjusted them back mm-hmm. the other way, right? So When they get that's their stars,
0: where, yeah, to play the that, way they're so
1: supposed to. So mm-hmm. that's, the to me, at some point, I'm looking at Utah saying, okay, ball's in your court. Now you go out and you be the aggressor for how you want to do things. And let's see what that means to this series.
0: The other game last night uh, was a Sixers loss, in my opinion, more so than it was a Hawks win. And I say that despite really respecting the ability of the Hawks to stay in that game. They went on a couple big runs, but it was every time needing the heart and the guts to say we're staying in it. It was down 18. It was down 10 for a long stretch. It was down 5 for another stretch. It was down 2. And just putting themselves in a position to take advantage in the last waning seconds of the game. But they shot 39%. Mm. Trey Young shot eight for 26. He started off so cold. He was effective down the stretch at both shooting and facilitating. But overall, you see those numbers and you say you should not be winning a game where the Hawks are shooting that poorly. They took care of the ball, and that was the difference. They had just four turnovers on the night, and they shot 16 more times than the Sixers. That was because they were getting better boards, and and they also were just setting themselves up better um, offensively, even though their shots weren't always falling. And, you know, the big question now isn't just – you know, can you beat them with Embiid at part strength, but can you beat him with no Embiid? Because he might have to make a a business decision, first of all, about what playing on that MCL injury is doing to his future, or also just for this series. Am I better taking myself out for one game when I'm only getting one night's rest in between games or trying to go when it's, it's causing me to be 0 for 12 in the second half?
1: Yeah. And I think that's the part of it that matters. You know, we talk all the time about context and how much it matters in the conversation of a game. Uh, Joel Embiid was awful at the end last night, but it also was a shell of the man we're used to seeing play basketball, right? Like, everything looked wrong and difficult when he did it. So I have to look at it at some point and say he's sort of in a lose-lose situation. If he doesn't play, then naturally some idiot's going to question his toughness and how much he loves it, all the things that happen every time that this happens in a playoff game. If he does play and he's not the version of himself he can be, then all of a sudden we question that. The hard part here is that I feel like Ben Simmons uses so much of his energy in this series – trying to slow down Trey Young and doing a good job of that, that it's like he doesn't have anything left to give on the other end of the tank where he's not particularly good anyway. So you don't get enough offensive production from somewhere else to make up for Embiid not being the version of himself that he usually is. They've got to figure that out. And, you know, Tobias Harris had a nice game, but they're going to have to get a lot more. There will have to be a dominant offensive performance for somebody if Embiid, if that's all that he can give.
0: Well, and that's one of the biggest issues, right? You can leave him out there because what, what he's doing for you on the other end is super important, right? Like, he's, he, it's impressive and admirable what he managed to accomplish as hobbled as he was despite that 0 for 12 half. Um, and, and that last layup is proof of it. You're still going to him when he's got no legs and can't push off because who else do you go to? <laughs> you can't go to Simmons. He doesn't want that smoke at the end of games. Like, Tobias Harris is a really nice player, but consistency-wise, he's not going to get you what Embiid can get you in that game. He still managed to have 21 rebounds. That's really impressive Mm. for a hobbled player, But if you take them out, you lose those rebounds. And what are you putting back in that's offsetting it offensively? They make it worth it. It's complicated. And we'll have to get an idea of how healthy he's going to be for the next one. Uh, Speaking of healthy, we'll get to James Harden trying to go tonight in just a minute. Spain and Fitz presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive's home quote explorer. Gives you multiple quote options so you can pick what's right for you. See for yourself at progressive.com. Coming up next, we got to give the news to you quick, real quick. It's Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio. It's Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance and brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. When we have a power hour like today, taking you into some basketball, we got to get to things quickly, and I mean quickly, with some quickies.
2: Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast.
0: I'm not even gonna try to explain to you the fire situation that was WNBA Twitter in the last <laughs> couple days. I'm gonna let our conversation on Around the Horn sort of set the stage for you and see what Fitz has to say about it. Here's what it sounded today.
2: Skylar Diggins-Smith versus the New York Liberty. Here's what happened, Bleacher Report posted the play. Jasmine Jones of the Liberty took offense that the focus was on Skylar putting Dede Richards, her teammate, on skates when the Liberty won the game. And a whole lot of heat came out of that. (laughs) Responses, responses to the responses, responses to those. Everybody's getting heat here, all right? (laughs) Sarah, whose side are you on here?
0: I'm on the side of Sidney Colson, who was one of those responses, who said, if you got your ankle snatched, <laughs> but your team got the W, you still got your ankle snatched. And why are we coming at Skylar Diggins-Smith? She didn't post this, and this is all coming from an anger about the, the focus that the Liberty and the rest of the WNBA media is giving to Sabrina Ionescu, a white player, over some of the talented black players. This is a much bigger conversation. Leave Skylar out of it.
2: That is a great point, Sarah. We're going to have that conversation, actually. Let's have that conversation in a second. First, Monica, whose side are you on?
0: Listen, I've got on my emoji top, I'm ready for the spicy lady with the dancing. I'm here for all of this.
1: I will say
0: that as much as I respect Skylar and she has been a tremendous competitor, remember, she was at the forefront of the movement of WNBA players sort of having their own brand apart from the game, right? And so it's easy for the rookie or the second-year player, I should say, Jasmine Jones to think, oh, this is some of the Skylar famousness when actually you should be talking about the fact that the Liberty got the win. So I respect Scott's response, but I'm kind of here for these young players who are not afraid to challenge. Jackie McMone. I'm here for all of it because I always hear all the time like, well, women don't compete the same way as men. Yes, we do. We get mad. We talk trash. We have beef with one another. Sometimes we use bad words. Sometimes we post video <laughs> that we shouldn't. All that is in play, and it should be in play. Get over it, America. We're no different than men competing, especially on this show today, as a matter of fact.
2: Ramona Shelburne. Bring it on.
0: Yeah, Tony, I was on the jump yesterday, where we had an entire segment with Kyrie Irving breaking the masses onto Takubo's ankle. Of course. And then we did a history of ankle breakers. We didn't care about who won the game. Okay, the Nets lost the game. But we played that, and we did an entire segment on that. I'm here for it. I love it. I think we should see more. Skyler, broke her ankles. Good. That should be a clip. All right, Fitz, there's a lot there, but did you have a side in this beef?
1: No, yeah, I'm, I'm squarely on Skylar's side, and I'm on that big time because I think the last point made was a really good one. I mean, when we put together highlight rips all the time for NBA stuff that we do on Snapchat or on digital... We're worried about the rip, the highlight, what gets everybody talking like, what's the moment, and the outcome of the game is rarely considered in that. This was a great play by a great athlete and that's frankly what we need more of in the conversation. So this is a win for everybody. I love the trash talking. I love where it takes everybody, but I also love that we see this level of incredible athleticism and it deserves to be given some shine. So the outcome has its place, but it's not there on social media. I'm all in for this and I think Skylar's right and I love the fact that she did not back down in her response <laughs> I love the fact that she made it clear you cannot come at her on social media I just need these teams to play quickly instead of months from now
0: Oh, 100% they were like is that why Nike dropped you she's like honey the price went up like, I'm more, they couldn't <laughs> afford me anymore. It's so good. And I just love the conversation it's starting because instead of just being like, wow, these are great role models signing autographs for little girls, it was like, they're fierce, dude. They're competitive. They're cool. They're aspirational. They're multidimensional. Let's cover all the aspects of it. And sometime down the road, we're going to get into that thing I mentioned, by the way, too. There is a real conversation there about the top players in the WNBA, whether, whether they're black and white uh, influencing the amount of press that they get and something that we need to be intentional about as media. So, we got to move on, though, because it's quickies. Quickies. Okay, the NBA is considering addressing the fact that players are using quote-unquote unnatural shot motion to draw fouls. Fitz, are you cool with this being a subjective call by the officials to say um, either – and, and there isn't a clarity here on whether or not you would get called for something the way you get called for a flop. It sounds more like the official would get to have the, the desire to say, I'm not calling hands up, no foul. If you technically got the, the physicality and, 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 a, and the kind of touch that would consider, consider it a foul. But if you forced it with the way that you tried to lean backwards, sideways, etc. Are you cool with them drawing that line?
1: No, not at all. And and look, I think part of the magic when you're watching it, yeah, everybody's gotten in the spot where they're trying to draw the foul and and that's just become part of the game. But through it you do get some amazing shots, some oh my god moments. And uh, frankly, are we gonna start trying to figure out what was just a great feat of athleticism versus what is a really weird thing? Can't you have that without the foul? Uh, Well, yeah. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, though, what are we going to start like looking at at ways to basically have everybody subjectively decide what their intent was from their jump shot motion? Yeah, that's what you're already
0: doing, though. Right. I mean, listen, I I think that you're putting defensive players in a completely impossible situation. If you're covering a player and then the way that they manipulate their body. Sure, it's creativity. Sure. We like to see it and it can make for a fun play. But then just let them play. Let them make that move that unnatural quote-unquote shot motion, and if the ball goes in, great, you get the bucket, no foul called because I think it's just bad for the game, first of all, for the whistles to be blowing as much as they are, and also for these offensive players to be able to get guys into foul trouble when they're playing good, solid defense.
1: Uh, the hardest part for me is just trying to, like, what I foresee, worst-case scenario here, is that we're constantly stopping the game for somebody to go back and look and figure out if it was an unnatural or a natural I motion don't think, no, but you'd have motion. to be
0: able to question it or challenge it, and I don't think that's the case. I think the point is that instead of calling the foul and then saying, man, sh- that was really that was really on the offensive guy's manipulation, you just don't call it, and you, you, you subjectively say to yourself, that was a forced play, that defender had no shot, keep it moving.
1: But, I mean, we live in a world where they finally had to actually draw on the bubble on the court to make sure that we knew where contact could not couldn't be initiated. Like, every time yeah. they've tried to sort of leave it to any sort of subjective conversation, eventually it becomes something less subjective. So I, don't, I just don't know how they actually police it.
0: It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're doing a little quickies. Next topic. Quickies. So the MLB has gotten themselves in a sticky situation in that right. they have four the entirety, probably, of the game's history allowed four pitchers to use foreign substances, and they probably never thought, Fitz, that it would result in what it has, which is utter dominance on the pitching side. The spin rate being affected by these illegal substances, the ability for these pitchers to get better and stronger and faster and strike out more batters has made the game less interesting. And now they want to crack down on it, probably because of the results it's having on the game's watchability, and that's making it difficult because you've got an entire generation of players that are used to using substances. And Jeff Pass and our ESPN MLB insider was on Green with Mike Greenberg talking about they're maybe okay with the punishment, which right now is 10 games with pay, by the way, but they're not cool about the subjectivity of it.
2: I, I think the most frustrating part to players is that the league is not going to be differentiating between industrial adhesives like Tack. And sort of lo fi substances like mixing sunscreen and rosin together, which players have been doing for a long time, or using pine tar. They are treating everything uh, as if it's the same. Uh, there are no misdemeanors or felonies. Uh, everything in this case is a felony, and players don't like that very much.
0: what do you make of this?
1: Yeah, I get that they don't like it very much, but Major League Baseball has to do something. The hard part for me is, again, like in a sport that they now limit mound visits, what we're going to just be checking pictures throughout the course of it, like that's going to be really disruptive to the product overall. So I'm curious to see how hard they actually police it.
0: Well, an interesting twist, too. A manager can be punished if they criticize or ask for a check on a pitcher and the ump believes they're doing it to disrupt their rhythm or flow instead of because there's a good reason to check. It's going to get messy. Spain and Fitz is presented by Progressive Insurance. Cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and more at Progressive.com. Coming up next, we'll help you get a free night in a hotel. Maybe some foreplay there, too.
1: It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app and SiriusXM Channel 80. Remember, short version tonight, because we're going to take you all the way up to the NBA playoff action, the game between the Bucks and the Nets, which we're going to dive into a little bit uh, as the evening goes on. We'll get you set for that. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to head over to the Goodyear Hotline where we're joined by Tyrese Halliburton, the Sacramento Kings. Let's start right away, Tyrese. Got to ask you, how's the knee? I know obviously the season ended with an injury with you. How are you feeling?
2: Oh, I feel good. I feel good. I'm back to doing my workouts 100%. Um, you know, I think we're it was a little bit of a scare for everybody, but, um, you know, now at this point, Um, Just by being cautious. But other than that, I I feel really good.
0: While we're talking injuries, Tyrese, I wonder we're we're talking all about James Harden deciding to give it a go tonight for a shorthanded Nets team. Um, You know, being an athlete, how much do you trust your own self and your own knowledge of your body versus what doctors might tell you about further damage you can cause if you have a weakness or an imbalance on one side?
2: Yeah, you know, I think that's just the competitive nature of anybody, you know, especially, you know, a guy like James, a guy in the the NBA who, you know, they work really hard. Um, You know, you spend all all your summer work, you know, basically all your work, your whole life has led up to, you know, this moment of being able to compete for an NBA championship. So, um, you know, I I understand it. Um, You know, but at the same time, you got to be safe. Uh, So it's hard to balance that, but at the same time, uh, as competitors, I, I completely – it's hard to tell somebody like that no when at the end of the day all they want to do is help the team. So, um, you know, I just hope that everything goes well, um, you know, for him and that this was the right the right decision. But, um, you know, I'm pretty confident that as NBA doctors, they wouldn't send somebody out if they, if they knew they weren't ready how
1: different is it for you when you're on a team and you don't know if a guy's going to be ready to go through all the warmups? Like how much does that affect the way everybody has to prepare for the game?
2: Yeah. You know, I think that's just kind of the next man up mentality. You just got to be ready because you never really know what could happen. Um, you know, obviously everybody would love if, uh, you know, you knew what was going on beforehand. Uh, so you could mentally prepare, but it doesn't always work that way. So, um, You know, you just got to be ready to go. I think that the great teams, you know, they got guys that are ready uh, when it's it's their time.
0: It's Spain and Fitz here. Spain, Jason Fitz talking to Kings Point guard Tyrese Halliburton, third in voting for rookie of the year. Excellent season for you. Uh, Congrats on that. And, you know, I wonder, now that you're in the league, does it – does it change your approach to watching the playoffs? Are you watching every game, scouting teams, getting into it? Do you have favorites that you want to advance, or is it is it the same as you know growing up or being in college watching?
2: No, yeah, I think you're. I'm watching that more of like a uh, a scouting look, right? Like uh, just kind of seeing what teams are doing that works. Uh, me being a point guard or a guard of any of any uh, sense, you know, Chris Paul is probably one of the greatest guards to ever play the game of basketball so you know locking in and seeing how he can really control games especially playoff games that can get crazy at times so you know it's really interesting for me um but you know i think it's it, it's kind of cool um you know because i've played against these guys so i know like how how do i feel about this guy's game and how do i feel about that guy's game so uh it's pretty cool to watch it now that i'm actually in the league
1: well and with that being said like i always think it's crazy when you think about the work you put in to get to where you are you're in the league was there a moment this year that you just finally got to stand there, look around, and say, "Man, I made it"? Uh, yeah. I
2: mean, I felt I felt like that every day. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of that feeling. I just kind of felt like a kid in a candy store. Uh, like, man, I'm really here. Um, but I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of different instances. My my favorite would probably be the we won at Staples Center. Um, you know, against the Lakers late in the year, and I felt like I had a really big impact on that game. Um, you know, that, that was the cool feeling because, you know, LeBron's my favorite player growing up, so to be able to play against him and, and win, you know, in, in the Staples Center, which is obviously a legendary um, arena, you know, that that was really cool for me.
0: Tyrese Halliburton of the Kings with us here on Spain and Fitz on the Goodyear Hotline. Tyrese, you know, watching these playoffs – it was it was this simultaneous feeling of like either well we won't be surprised if it's lakers nets or it could be anyone right it was like these complete opposites that somehow both held the same weight for many of us what have you been most surprised by that you've seen so far in the playoffs
2: oh man that's a good question um you know my my answer would probably just be you know the the clippers you know how they've handled these last two series uh you know first series i think you know, when the Mavericks went up 2-0 and then they had a really hot start to game three, uh, you know, it didn't look very good for them and for them to battle back and win in seven. And then same with the Jazz series. Jazz won the first two. It didn't really look good for L.A. Um, but, they're you know, now it seems like the momentum has kind of shifted their way and it seems to be like they're kind of favorited. So it's just the unpredictability of the playoffs. and. And, and how things can change. And it's, it's, it's really cool for me and, like, also very motivating because you look at that and you're like, man, I just I have to play in the playoffs. It, it, mm-hmm. it just looks so much fun.
0: Fits it's so cute how young and naive he is that he's uh, surprised by anything the Clippers do.
1: <laughs> God darn it, that team. Sarah's hurt by the Clippers. You don't want to go they there. They burned you me want... one too many times, Syrese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Tyrese, uh, you said on the Old Man and the Three podcast you were talking about getting LASIK, and like I always think this is interesting because I got LASIK, and it was a, it was like truly life changing. But like for me, there was a moment I went to see Alvin in the Chipmunks, the movie in the theaters, because I like I'd never seen things move. I'd always had so many problems with my eyes. How weird is it for you getting back on the court with LASIK and the fact
2: that everything does look a little different? Yeah, you know, it, it, it was weird at first, but but my thing is I've worn contact since I was like 15 or 16 Uh, I had good vision I felt like until then and then my mom saw me squinting at the tv while I played the video games like we need to figure this out Uh, so then I got contacts and it's just been good for me because now I don't have to wake up earlier to put in my contacts and I don't have to worry about getting poked in the eye and contact falling out uh, and, and the other teams start complaining and then the fans are complaining and everybody's complaining that I got that I got to fix my eyes. So I'm just really excited about it. And, uh, you know, I keep messing around. Like, feel like I've been shooting better in my workouts. And I, I'm telling people that's because of the LASIK. So it, <laughs> it is really life changing, though. It's been really cool for me.
0: The bionic eyes. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton of the Kings coming off a great rookie season. Um, you know, there's so much conversation in the league right now about. Um, the injuries as a result of the timeline from last year, everything was screwed up by COVID. But then you look at the bubble season, you look at some folks who have said sort of off the record, I would have gotten a surgery at a different time if we were starting as anticipated in, in January, February, and instead we started earlier. And, and that kind of threw guys off. I know a lot of people have said that maybe there's some book cooking doing uh, being done to make it feel like, oh, it's just the usual, you know, setbacks of, of a of a tough sport it feels to me like it is is very demonstrative how many stars and role players, important players in this playoffs are dealing with serious injuries from the inside. Is that conversation that guys are having about how this season resulted and how much it's affecting this postseason?
2: I mean, for a guy like me who didn't have that and I still got hurt. I mean, it, 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 it makes sense. It doesn't like make sense, I guess, in theory, uh, you know, but I obviously did have a, a long pre-draft process, and these are the most games my body's ever played in a year. But, um, you know, I think that's a conversation that needs to be had, um, you know, and, and, and is being had, obviously, every day. And it's it just kind of hard because it's that gray area of, you know, when was it okay to come back and play? And, you know, obviously there's money involved, so it's it is, there's many different things. And it's just unfortunate how, it kinda, how it's worked out. And, you know, but I think the league is, has tried to do the best that they can To protect us as players, and also uh, give the fans, you know, what they want, and and treat us as human beings at the same time. And I I think the league has, you know, tried their best. It's just kind of hard. It's kind of been like a gray area for for the league and for everybody else. And um, you know, I can at least appreciate the effort. And you know, what what's happened this year has been very unfortunate. But um, you know, it's just it's a hard conversation to have because there's obviously people on both ends of the spectrum. And um, you know, you can get multiple different opinions, but you know, in my in my opinion, I, I think that the league tried their best and you know, I don't think there's many other leagues in the world that protect their players like the NBA, so it's just kind of hard to have that conversation.
1: Now I know Tyrese, obviously you're doing some cool stuff right now with hotels.com and uh, you there's some uh, there's a giveaway going on for the NBA conference finals. So what can you tell us about it?
2: Yeah, so hotels.com is giving away free hotel nights, you know, during the NBA. Conference finals. You know, anytime a team scores 20 or more fast break points, uh, the first 100 fans to enter on the hotels.com fast break getaway get page will get a free hotel night for their own trip this summer. Uh, it's a really cool idea. Uh, you know, I know being somebody like me who travels a lot and traveled a lot as a kid, my mom was always looking for the best deals at uh, hotels. So, this is a, a really cool idea. And I think that especially people who are already watching the NBA as it is. Uh, you know, why not take advantage of such a great deal? Yeah, you know tra- I got you- like
0: so many weddings to make up for this summer. <laughs> I'm, no, I really, I have so many. I'm traveling a lot and I'm writing this down. Hotels.com slash fast break getaway. First 100 fans. Uh, so you got to get in there quick. I'm I'm taking advantage of this, Fitz. I need some free
1: hotel nights. Tyrese, you travel a lot. Yeah, you got all, a favorite you city. Be all
2: over it. All like,
1: over it. Is there a favorite place for you that you love to go to? Other than Sacramento, obviously
2: uh traveling wise I wouldn't I wouldn't really say that I guess I spent my pre-draft in Las Vegas uh this summer so I think that you know my experience there like as of right now obviously I'm only 21 years old so I don't know but as of right now I think when I'm done with basketball and I got to find somewhere to live I think Vegas would be a really cool spot so I think that's probably probably one of my uh, favorite spot of mine to travel Well, being from
1: there, you just buttered me up. All right, brother, we appreciate your time, man. Congratulations. Best of luck as you continue your process and your career, man. Fun to watch from a distance. We really appreciate your time.
2: Yeah, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it.